Well, thank you, Brian, for being here and uh, all that you bring. Um, Brian and Michelle have really have been ahead of their time, are really leading the way in how we can be um, representative of help in our community. So we want to continue to pray for them and champion what they do. Well, my name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Community Church, and I am really glad each and every one of you is here today, wherever you are in your faith journey, your faith story. Uh, we're glad that you're here, that you're here this morning. Well, hey, there's been a lot going on in our in our community and our world the last week. So I want to take just a minute and uh, lift some of these needs up uh, before the Lord. So would you, would you pray with me? Father, we, we come to you this morning, and we're thankful that you are, uh, as Brian said, a God who intervenes. We're reminded that uh, we do live in a fallen world, a place of destructive storms and destructive people. We pray this morning for those who are cleaning up after the storm, those who are trying to put things back together, uh, those um, even across the country who are mourning uh, loss. We pray this morning for churches. We pray that we would be the body of Christ, that we would be your hands and feet, in our community and around, um, around the world as we see people in need. Lord, we pray this morning for Covenant School in Nashville. We pray, Father, for those families who are grieving. We pray for churches as they minister. And even this morning, Lord, we pray for for our kids, for our parents, for our families, for our schools, that you would watch over them. Lord, as we sang this morning, Hosanna, save us. Save us now. Save us from the evil that we can see on the outside and the evil that is inside each and every one of us. Father, as we open up your word this morning, I pray that my words would be clear, that they would be helpful, that they would bring you glory and honor, and you would burn off whatever doesn't do those things. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series, Rescue is Coming. We're looking forward to Easter Sunday. It is Palm Sunday today. And we'll make some connections. Uh, looking forward to seeing a lot of you this afternoon at our prayer walk. But this morning, as we dive in to this uh, great epic story of Moses leading the Israelites across the Red Sea, this great crossing over story. Many of you, maybe you have uh, this picture in your mind of the 1958 Charlton Heston Ten Commandments and, you know, the, the state-of-the-art special effects of that time. And others of you, maybe you have a different picture of Moses leading the people. Or maybe some of you come this morning and that picture is just blank. And that's okay. We're glad that you're here. But whatever, wherever you are, whatever background you come from, I want to invite 
you to think about this question. We see as Moses leads his people out that they are being chased by the Egyptians. And my question for you this morning is, what is chasing you this morning? What is chasing you? What is it that you fear? What is it that brings about some anxiety, worry? What keeps you up at night? What do you complain about? What stirs up the deepest emotions within you? Can you put a name to it? What keeps you from seeing the goodness of God? What is that for you? Maybe you're a student and you got a lot of life ahead of you and you're like, good night, what am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do? Am I going to go to school? Who am I going to? Maybe you're towards the other end. You're like, I don't, I don't know how much time I have left here. How do, I, how do I maximize that time? Wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, whatever you bring into this room today, what is it that is chasing you this morning? And then how do we respond to that? That's what we're going to learn from, from Moses in the Word of God this morning. Well, a little backstory before we read the story. We've been in this series and we've been looking at the life of Moses. We saw where God appeared, Yahweh appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And when Moses was at his, felt like he was most useless, he became useful and would take on this calling that God had put upon his life. But it is in the presence of God that he would find his preparation. And then last week we got really heavy and we looked at how Jesus is our Passover lamb. And we looked at this 3,500-year-old ceremony that helps us remember God's great rescue of his people. Excited about Good Friday because we're going to get to go even a little bit deeper into that actual experience. Well, today we look at this story of crossing over. And we look at it on this particular Palm Sunday, and we will see the connections, and we will see how God will deliver his people and deliver us. What I find particularly engaging about the connections here is that what Jesus did, what Jesus did at the, at the start of Holy Week was not an accident. It wasn't random. He chose, God chose a particular point in history, a particular week, a particular Passover time to teach us what his death would mean for us. So as we look at this great foundational story, we look back and we look forward to how Jesus will fulfill this. So let's go right to the story. I'd invite you to turn on or turn to Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. And rather than paraphrasing it, I'm just going to read God's word for you this morning. So Exodus 13, verse 17. 
when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will thank the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved them in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and their left. 
The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians in their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went on through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. What a story. What a story of rescue. There is a crossing over that we get to see. I was watching one of the tournament games last night, and at halftime, they talked to one of the coaches. He said, Coach, how are you going to approach the second half? And his response was, frame by frame. That's coach speak for looking at every little single moment of the game, slowing that down, analyzing that, saying, how can we then move forward? We have an opportunity this morning as we look at the faith story of Moses as he leads his people, as he helps them cross over from complaining and fear to faith and trust. We have this opportunity to look at this particular frame, slow it down. We're going to look at a couple verses, and then we're going to see what we might be able to learn in our own faith story. In our own process, there's a, there's a lot to come in the life of Moses. There's a lot of time we have ahead. But this morning, I want to invite us to pause, to slow down and hear what God has for us through these words that are inspired through Moses. Let me take you back to Exodus 14, verse 13. This is our anchor verse this morning. Moses answered, The people, they are complaining. This will not be the last time that the Israelites complain. There will be a cycle, a back and forth, and it just happens in the Old Testament, right? None of us ever do that. None of us have ever seen God work in an amazing way and then complain later. I love and I hate what Brian said about the church. In the sense of people seeing us and thinking we have it all together. Let me just say right now, I do not have it all together. And from what I know, you are amongst a people who does not have it all together. Sometimes it's a couple steps forward and a step back. God has great words for us, though. And I want us to look at this verse. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. 
Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, if you paid attention carefully, once the Israelites came out, once they, we had Passover, we went through that, they were armed and ready to fight. They were ready to go into the land of Canaan. They were ready to take charge. And God said, no, we're going to slow this thing down. You are not ready. You are not ready to fight this battle because I have something to teach you right now, in this moment, in this frame. And this is the bottom line lesson that I believe Moses is instructed to teach. God fights for you before he fights through you. God fights for you before he fights through you. God is with you. God works through you. He is with us. He has great work for us to do. All those things. There are many frames ahead, but let's slow the flame, frame down, slow the film down, and let's look at this particular moment where Moses is going to tell the people, look, God will fight for you before he fights through you. I want to slow that down for us this morning and let's take a look at this particular pattern. I believe there is a crossing over from fear to trust. That Moses will have to help his people through. I believe that's a pattern that applies to each one of us today. The first part of this I would invite us to consider is, one, name what's chasing you. Put a name to it. What is it that you fear? As as I ask at the beginning, what, what is it that's chasing you? Maybe there's something that's breathing down your neck. It's about ready to overtake you. There's a sin, there's a fear, there's an anxiety. It could be any number of things that's ready to overtake you. Others of you, it may be farther back. But I believe we all have something that we believe is chasing us. There's some fear, there's some anxiety, there's something that keeps you up at night. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's relational. Maybe it's psychological, but whatever it is, what is chasing you? Let's simply put a name to it. Let's bring it into the light. God already knows what is chasing you. He knows it. Share it with him. Confess it with him. It could be something we would identify as a sin, as missing the mark. It could be a bad habit. It could be something we're ashamed that we just continue to do. It could be something from the outside that's a fear and anxiety. But whatever it is, let's put a name to it. God will say, hey, look at the Egypt. Look look at who's chasing you. See him. See him. Sometimes in the church we have a tendency to just 
pretend like everything's perfect and shove it under the rug and not put a name to it. One of the things that we discover when we put a name to it is that we are not alone. The second thing I believe that uh, is here for us is to be still and to be quiet. It's hard to hear from God when we're not still and we're not quiet. There is plenty of work ahead. There are plenty of frames of action ahead. But right now, in this moment, we have a frame that we can be quiet and we can be still. We need those rhythms every day to be quiet and to be still. Anybody overthink things? Just me? Okay, a few of you are with me. Sometimes we just need to stop overthinking, be quiet, be still, listen. Um, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Anybody quote me chapter and verse? It ain't in there. <laughs> that is not in the Bible. God is always the first mover. I love in Brian's story, God intervened. God's worked mightily through Brian and Michelle. He has fought through them, but first he had to fight for them. And then finally, we are to worship as you watch God's work of rescue. Worship and watch God's work of rescue. To worship is to give worth to God, to see God clearly. Right after they went across the sea, Moses and then later his sister, the prophetess Miriam, they would lead in the singing of praise. Exodus 15, 2, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. There's a pattern here of worship that says, first of all, I need to see God clearly. I need to see Jesus clearly. We've been looking at these Old Testament stories and we've looked at how Jesus is the great I am, that Jesus is the Passover lamb, that Jesus is the one who delivers us. I hope and pray that as we enter into God's word, as we hear the word, our imaginations are full of a picture of Jesus that's deep and rich and beautiful that we can worship. That there is an objective picture that we see. We don't have Moses parting the Red Sea, but we have a cross and an empty tomb. Amen? That really happened. So there's this objective truth that we can see, and then there's this subjective experience. We don't have a pillar of fire and a cloud, but we have the Holy Spirit that's inside each and every one who's put their faith and trust in Christ. That is real. That is present. God fights for you before he fights through you. Now, 
as we think about this particular Palm Sunday, 1,500 years later, 1,500 years later, the Israelites, they would go through their ups and downs. It's a really rough story if you read the Old Testament. It is not a story of heroic people doing extraordinary things. It is a great story of a faithful God working through unfaithful, broken people who are learning to trust Him. So as we look at the clock and we see that first Palm Sunday, we see Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the, the Israelites who were descendants of those who worshiped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were also in need of a deliverer. It wasn't Pharaoh. They were crying out, Hosanna, which literally means save now. They would cry out. They, they suffered from Jewish oppression and corruption on the one hand, and Roman brutality and oppression on the other. And there was even a deeper longing, a deeper evil, an evil on the inside that says we need to be saved. Now Jesus would enter in, and I want to take you quickly to John 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, this is Passover, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. We see Jesus fulfilling this. We see Jesus entering in. We see Jesus, our deliverer. Save us. Now, a few days later, Jesus would gather his disciples in the upper room. And one of the things I love about the disciples, they didn't understand it at the time. They didn't understand it at the time, but God would, Jesus would reveal himself, they would come back, the Holy Spirit would inspire, and they would put the pieces together. But we would see as Jesus gathered his disciples in the upper room, he, would take the, he took the bread and, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. And he took the cup and he said, this is, this is my, the blood of the new covenant, blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins. And when we, we come to the table and we experience as followers of Jesus this meal that Jesus used to explain his death, we remember that he is our deliverer. Not just from the evil that's on the outside, but the evil that's on the inside.
So this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, after I pray, I want to invite you to come to the table. And if, if you're not, I would invite you to consider this, to take that step of faith this morning. To simply say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Paul tells us in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I invite you to take that step. Take that step today. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for a goodness that goes on and on. As we look back and we remember, we also look forward. Help us to see more clearly. Holy Spirit, do the work in us that only you can. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Come now when you're ready. The table is open. You can receive the elements on your own.